Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this is our podcast where we discuss all things film. A quick note on spoilers. Uh, we're always discussing films after watching them, so if you don't want crucial details of films or documentaries ruined, maybe you should rent or buy the film before listening to this podcast. Today we're talking about a documentary called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold, but that's not actually the complete title, is it, Lloyd? Uh, no, it's not. It goes deeper. <laughs> yeah, the uh, film is actually sponsored by Pom Wonderful, which is a pomegranate drink. And uh, Lloyd, have you ever had this drink? No, um, and I've been to America as well, and there's so many brands, so many different things that you can buy. Like, uh, it probably just got buried amongst all the other products. <laughs> well, Lloyd, I thought nothing would be fitting, uh, more fitting than if we had pomegranate juice right now. <laughs> so I have a small surprise for you. Oh, you're kidding. Nope. No way. Oh my gosh. Where'd you get this? All right. Well, I found uh, Pom... <laughs> I found Pom Wonderful in uh, the Isles of Coles. No way. And I thought uh, this would be quite fitting. Yeah, if it. It's not really sponsored by it. I've, oh, thanks. <laughs> I've never had it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought we could try it right here on the podcast. Okay. If anybody's seen the film, this is going to make a lot more sense. Let's just try it. Yeah, it's juicy. <laughs> it's got a really peculiar bottle. Um, it's like two uh, tennis balls stuck together with the you know the little Coke bottle part on top. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it just tastes sort of like... <laughs> 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 Your face just made me laugh. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's good. It's a good taste. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. It just tastes like juice. Yeah, it does like taste, a, yeah. little aftertaste. Or yeah, something. that's right. So, Pom Wonderfuls, the greatest movie <laughs> ever sold. Sorry to surprise you. Oh, I just thank thought you. I'd get into it soon. <laughs> I thought I would say something straight off the cuff. These drinks, um, they recommend in the film that you should drink it for four weeks, and they say to do that because. Uh, it helps with health, and uh, also they plug an erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> um, <laughs> yeah. So to to attack men or something. Yeah. But anyway, these bottles are five dollars each, right? If right. you drink them for a week, that's thirty five dollars. Thirty five dollars four weeks. You know, this is per person. Mm. So like the four week thing is really just a means of making you buy oh, more of it. You definitely. Know? There's. I don't think there's any uh, stable scientific background to it. There's actually, I'm sorry to say that there is. There is? Yeah. <laughs> there is, um, on the website, if you go to the POM Wonderful website, they've got, like, uh, maybe 30 scientific studies they've done that say it's good for you. I don't believe that for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody's interested... It's yeah, right give it a go. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> so, POM Wonderful is the greatest movie ever sold. Uh, it's by director Morgan Spurlock, who famously ate McDonald's for a whole month in Super Size Me to see whether or not uh, McDonald's had bad effects on your health because mm. that was due to a lawsuit um lloyd this was my choice this week uh yep. what did you make of this documentary uh, it's interesting with this type of genre uh the only person that ever did this type of film was in 1971 a film called f for fake by orson wells and it was it flopped so bad no one had ever seen anything like it the editing was so way beyond its time and the style of how um orson wells presented it was just like wow like okay the, he's the star he's the presenter it's a documentary it's like a mishmash um of all sorts of genres put together and it really breaks the wall several times it's not a fundamentally you know a basic fundamental film 
uh, a person came along in around the late 90s, early uh, millennia, a uh, film called Bowling for Columbine. Michael Moore, of Michael course. Moore, yeah, which really, you know, brought it into the mainstream. And he did a brilliant, brilliant job of it, of putting, you know, uh, attacking a genre head-on, uh, attacking a subject matter head-on that was very controversial and doing it very intelligently, you know. And in um, it's cheap to do in a way, um, cheaper than a Hollywood production, I'd say, are uh, very daring. And um, I'm surprised a lot more filmmakers haven't risen out of the Michael Moore, um, I don't want to say fad, but, you know, out of that era. And this is one guy who's done that with Super Size Me and he's followed up. And I think it's great. The biggest question I've had with these type of films, it, it doesn't work in a 90-minute format because it's a documentary. Is it better to do six parts, six one-hour parts, where you can really attack it comprehensively? Or is it best just to do, you know, get the audience to sit there for one hour and a half? Is it going to... I don't think it tackled every aspect of it. It could have gone a lot further. Um, he had uh, time constraints, like sure. all movie makers face. You don't want to sit through a four-hour documentary. You don't want to sit through a four-hour documentary, yeah. No. But is it better to have it one hour, like uh, say like a BBC format mm. or, or something like that? But I think it's great. I think um, it brings to attention these subject matters to the film-going audience, you know, and it sort of puts that on that echelon, you know. And it's interesting that, it took so long since F for Fake for this genre to come around, you know. I think just audiences got used to, like, since post-MTV, so used to that fast-style editing. Mm. And we see in this film, in particular, it cuts to a commercial midway, um, you know, really... Yeah, several commercials. Several yeah. commercials, but he does it so well. Like, all of a sudden, you're in a commercial, you yeah. know, but you see the build-up to it and everything like that. Um, mm. Bowling for Columbine as well, like, breaks away several times. Um, and uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 to, uh, like, a, a cartoon skit to illustrate what they're saying. Um, yeah. I think it was that gun control one that looked like South Park. Yep. And so forth. Um, and it's very good. Uh, the only issue I had, yeah, again, is the time constraints. Is it, good, is it a good idea to have... Um, these type of films in a one hour and a half style or is it best to do it in a six part um, series that's that's my thing my thing about this film I completely appreciate what it's doing yeah. I, I see it as uh, if you're fans of the Gruen transfer or the Gruen planet um, this is like that on steroids because it's showing a worldwide like uh, you know what is advertising yes. you know not just um, here's a few ads from around the world um, the question is is what this achieves like uh, what what's the purpose if a documentary is like an essay yes at the beginning he introduces us to the problem and by the end what is his conclusion like what do you draw from this film as a conclusion it, like is advertising a good thing because you're using them um to fund your movie um or but at the same time you're selling out you're giving up your uh, certain principles and so forth because you're like i don't want to say a slave um mm. to your sponsors but you do adhere to some of their ideals and that's fair enough because they're giving you money you know and so forth so you sacrifice a bit of your principles um orson wells like probably the greatest um filmmaker of his generation uh was in advertising several times if you listen to the mercury theater and his radio plays it was always um, he. He always had to have the sponsors on there, and his uh, deal was no, no. They're paying me, and I use the money to make my art form, you know. Yeah. And he did towards the end of his life. He did all those wine commercials, you know, really second rate parts. He was even re in second rate films, and he charged a lot of money yep. to fund his own films. And sure. I think that's fair. Like the artist in the modern day has to, you know, in order to get the money, has to sacrifice a bit of that. Um, you know, artistic to give, integrity, yeah, a bit of artistic integrity to give out that, yeah. So, 
Um, but it's interesting, what conclusion does he come to at the end? And I think it's not firmly answered, but, you know, there's sunny glare. Like, it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and it's great to see how, how much they broke it down to a science. Mm. Um, advertising, like, he went in for MRIs. Exactly. And then they were like, and this is an advertising company breaking it down to a scientific level. Yeah. Um, what advertising does. Like, um, it shows you Coke and it knows if you're feeling hungry. You know, it shows you... Um, you know, like trailers, they broke that down. Like, at what point um, do the audience feel bored or excited? Does it, you know, leave enough for the audience to go see it? Oh, it's brilliant. It mm. is, oh, and scary. I, I know he went even deeper into it, but to an adult um, community, it's a little bit like he's stating the obvious. So I was thinking, like, yes, we are all aware that advertising is everywhere. Yeah. Um, but he was asked about it. I've got a question and answer from Morgan Spurlock. Yep. They said, uh, what percentage of Americans would you guess is aware of product placement in their pop culture? And uh, Morgan Spurlock said, I think it's pretty low. If you consume a tremendous amount of media like I do, it's a very different thing. We see it all the time in everything that we do. But for someone who grew up in a small town like my home state of West Virginia, or where we just were in Altoona, I'd put it at less than 50%. Right. So he thinks that in America which is what this example yeah. is, less than 50% are aware of product placement. Yes. So, I mean, I know there was a lot of emphasis on children. Just We're not thinking about children at the moment. Adults, less than 50%, he thinks, of Americans. Yeah. Which it does say why he made this film, because he wanted to make the awareness higher. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can see that. There's a lot of audiences that, like... <laughs> In Australia, we have a show like Today Tonight, that yep. which is a very badly uh, unethical uh, journalistic show, and um, a lot of people watch that, th- believing that's the facts, that's journalistic integrity. Yep. Um, and I guess it, ch- it takes media trained people to really see, you know, um, what's that. So I can believe that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Not many know about product placement. I'm sure there's um, just for those international listeners. Yep. Um, Today tonight, and there's another show called A Current Affair. They mm. take uh, they take one side of the argument and they make the other side seem scary. Yeah. They put slow motion. They put a lot of kind of in your face camera work where they yeah. approach the subject and then they obviously are covering their face. But it's poor form of journalism. Yeah, yeah. It's aggressive. Um, and I'm sure there is a lot of that in America. Yeah, no, like definitely. A lot yeah, of those yeah. scare shows, you know, to catch a predator and things yep. like that, you know, to, to scare people into things. Um, the one thing I found really interesting about this film is that he's known, like the way Morgan Spurlock is known is through Super Size Me. He was Oscar nominated for that film. He's made a couple since, but he still hasn't really reached those heights. And in Super Size Me, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, where have you been? First of all, <laughs> um, but he wrecked McDonald's like reputation, and he caused like a new taste menu worldwide, and he was hugely con- controversial. It's crazy to me because that was the first question I had ready to watch this film: uh, is that he could ruin brands that get attached to this. Yeah, it was very daring the brands that did. Well, he did get denied a lot. Yeah, yeah, well, at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said actually there was ninety-seven percent of people said no or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I got to give credit to the brands that did sign on to him. They were so brave, mm. and they were just like, "All right, let's let's go for a ride." And why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be drinking Palm Wonderful no. now if, if Pepsi had signed on, would we? I'm, I'm just going to stay at Hyde Hotels. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually funny because I remember all the names of the brands that did sign on. Yes, you know, like I'd never heard of Band Deodorant, but now I'm like, oh, Band Deodorant and okay. sheets. <laughs> exactly. I had no idea if these companies even existed. Yeah. And to put them in a feature film that's going to be watched around the world. Yeah. It does add like 
a level of interest. And, it, it's know. interesting. Um, will or did did this do well at the box office? Did heaps of audiences go? No. Yeah, because if you go to watch this film it's really a lot of interviews and it's really pigeon style like it's not a pretty film it's not a beautiful looking film it's really a lot of sit down at a desk and talk to some guy in a suit and, and also it, a lot of the breaking the wall talking to the yeah, audience it's, well. a, it's a lot of that and um, you know I don't think the average you know the Transformer audiences or the Pirates of the Caribbean audiences or Caribbean um, will go to watch this movie and really enjoy it um, it's a big ask it, it, it's a very big ask um, for that audience to go in here and watch it um, mm. but if you do give it uh, that respect and watch it you take a lot out of these type of movies and I guess that's why a lot haven't risen out of mm. it because I you know I've, I've, I've watched Michael Moore and I was one of those kids going I'm going to take out a camera I'm going to go out there and expose you know he really um, sort of gave new life to journalism you know to inspire these kids to go and no one's really ta taken it have they no one's really um, come up there it's only been this guy and maybe a few others that's gone through the independent channels but mm. wow <laughs> Well, they, he blames uh, TiVo and the internet for people not sitting through ads anymore, and that's part of the reason apparently we get pop-up commercials sure. and, and, you know, ads built into the programs, you know. And we're going to see a lot more of that. We yeah. are. Yeah. So you agree, TV, TiVo and internet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Advertisers are struggling mm -hmm. um, right now. That's why Facebook has become like this new massive um, advertising power because it knows your name, where you live, etc. And they can advertise uh, really specifically and specialise. Mm. And the idea of sitting through a commercial break now, a three-minute commercial break for an average you know, kid now with the internet and so fast, but it's just too much to ask. They're not going to sit through a three-minute commercial break. Mm. So what, what do you do? You put, you know, um, crawls, like... Um, how do I explain crawls? Uh, like, like writing a scrolling text. Yeah, scrolling. Yeah, and yeah. he did go into that. Like, pack. You, if you watch, like, CNN, it's just packed with information. Yeah. And they're just so desperate to get advertising out. How do you tell that audience about yourself? Like, that won't sit through a commercial break anymore. Mm. So, that's a big question that's coming up now. Yeah. In our parents' generation, often I'm sure they would go to the bathroom during the commercial yep. breaks. You know, you didn't have the internet. But then you still come back, you still catch some of the commercials. Yes. And I'm sure the ones which were at either end of the commercial break were the premium commercials. Um, but in our day and age, you can skip all the way to the moment where the show is back on. Yep, or, or a lot of kids download now. So, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Co-promotion was an interesting term where it's integrating film and TV products, you know, uh, where you see somebody casually drinking a Coke or a Pepsi you know, sort of thing. But oh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, and, and all If the you people... didn't drink so much Pepsi, you wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> What'd you say about Pepsi? <laughs> but I guess there's the argument that if you had just a drink that was a no-name brand or yeah. it just said soda or something um, or soft drink, you know, wouldn't that take you out of the film or documentary or whatever you're watching? Wouldn't that seem less real? And, and a producer did... Um, he interviewed a TV producer who was very negative about it and said, yeah, it's so forced. It is so forced on the script, on the story, for them to go, hmm, this Palm Wonderful tastes really good. You know, where do you put it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess I um, wanted to ask the question today and also to the listeners... Um, what would be the best brand to associate with our podcast? <laughs> That's interesting. If we were looking for a sponsor, if we wanted uh, to go in and, and like write the letter, write the email, whatever, and try and get somebody on, a, on our podcast at the beginning of our show, 
being a sponsor, what kind of uh, company would, would integrate I well with us? I think a drink company. So well, as we're having a conversation, you could just go, oh, I'm sorry, Lloyd, just a sec. I just need to drink this. Yeah. <laughs> and we can have the sound effects of you opening the bottle. Of ch- yeah. yeah. No, that's good. I, I thought of that as well. You could easily promote a drink. Uh, just take a refreshing sip. Yeah. Of, <laughs> mm, it goes down so well. I thought also like a, a DVD store or a cinema, you know, where we could basically plug whatever movie or DVD is out now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, or my final thought was a snack that we could always have whenever we go to the movies. So we, we for example, uh, next oh, week... that's great. We're, yeah, looking, yeah. we're looking to review uh, The Descendants and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And um, we, would, we could go, oh, I went into there, I was eating my, you know, <laughs> insert snack here. Naturally. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love the bit about uh, what kind of brand are you... You know, when Morgan Spurlock went in and had that whole exam with questions, question after question after question, to find out what kind of brand Morgan Spurlock was. And he's that's, just so exhausted yeah. by the end of it, yeah. But he got Mindful Playful, which was apparently what Apple has as well. And there was a big ad for Apple, like right up on the logo in that as well. Mm. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting because Apple obviously wasn't one of the the sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I just love it how this film delves into how much... America in particular has broken down advertising into a science like it's got you know a, a whole a whole industry just dedicated to posters a whole industry dedicated to identifying what you're going to you know as you say uh, uh, what's your image to the modern audience you know breaking that down mm. um oh it was brilliant you know <laughs> yeah no they've definitely given it a lot of thought yeah. but in a way is it a necessary market because you wouldn't know that you want something unless you saw it somewhere. You wouldn't know it existed. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if you admire the characters of 90210, for example, and then they say you have to have Dr. Pepper on a road trip, you will joke with your friends when you go on a road trip, have Dr. Pepper. That's actually from the movie, if anybody is listening <laughs> to this having not seen it. I have to confess, uh, when Back to the Future, when I saw this <laughs> when I was a kid, you kept drinking Pepsi, so I loved Pepsi, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so it does influence They me. had those futuristic Pepsi. Oh my gosh, I wanted that so much. If Pepsi released a bottle yep. in that shape, oh, I would buy a hundred of them. <laughs> So uh, advertising works. Oh only. yeah, well, I'm yep. I'm one of those morons. Like especially <laughs> yeah yeah. If if like if Michael Mann did a movie and his characters were drinking, I'd have to have that drink. Mm. <laughs> well, the biggest blatant, most blatant commercial that I've ever seen in film was actually in this documentary, and it was the uh, I Robot Will Smith Converse All Stars. Uh, where he says Converse All Stars 2004 Vintage, you know, because it's in oh, the yeah, future. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I saw that at the in what movie is that? I Robot. I Robot. Oh right. Yeah, when I saw it in in the cinemas, yeah, I went, oh, come on, <laughs> you know. Um, and I I can't remember that. I've seen that movie too. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, I was going to say uh, everyone at school got them. Wow. You know, like afterwards, I saw lots and lots of them at school, and I I really wasn't very aware of the product before that. Yeah. I didn't get them. But I did notice I passed a pair, a pair on the way in today, Lloyd, oh, just in your God. doorway. Oh, yeah, my brother's got that. <laughs> yeah. So it does work. <laughs> it does work. It is brilliant. Um, I wanted to talk about, like, this is a very self-aware movie. Like, it's talking to the audience. You know, this is it. This is the movie right now. And he looks at the camera during the Sheets interview. And when he does that montage towards the end with Jimmy Kimmel, they're saying, so well, this is it. This is the movie yeah. right now. You know, <laughs> It's really... like we're going back in time. <laughs> yeah. 
He did some really great meetings, though. Yeah. Like, he sold himself and this film really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and that's the great thing about this movie. You're really a fly on the wall, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I mean, the thing is, though, I've got to think there were people behind the scenes who were writing all of that and doing his presentations. You know, people who are working for Morgan oh, Spurlock. Yeah. It's not the way it comes off, so I feel a little cheated because <laughs> I'm sure he's not sitting there coming up with every idea like... The Pom Wonderful... Um, he came up with like three ads for exactly. it. One was the erection one, yeah, and so forth, yeah. One was all about uh, Pom on my mind, and it was the bottle is like two circles on top of each other, for those who haven't seen it. And everywhere he looks, he sees two things on top of each other, and then at the end gets a Pom. You know? Yeah, yeah. The funny, the ad they came up with in the end, the one where he says the... Um, the Minute Maid or whatever the uh, other juice is yep. is like 1% it was exactly what they said to him look why exactly. can't you do something like this I thought yeah. that was great <laughs> but if someone says I'm going to give you a million dollars yeah you know you're going to want to do the film you, you have to respect for... that and that's fair enough they, if they have certain you know as that lawyer said there's certain things that you have to give way to you know mm. you can't just run like you know that's fair and also who knew Palm Wonderful were doing so well you see the size of that building they have and they also have Fiji water, I understand. Like, they're both uh, the same company. Wow. I yeah. remember buying Fiji water. That's yeah. really expensive water. <laughs> mm. Can you believe that Mini Cooper gave him seven cars? Wow. Like, you saw them all pull up there. Like, they became a, a sponsor, and he was driving around in a car with all of the logos on it at the end. But Mini Cooper, seven cars. They gave him seven cars, or just seven cars for the movie? I'm sure it was for the movie, like, yeah, yeah. to see them in the movie, but it's like one of each kind and then he did that little montage where he's getting oh, out I like know, he's just one. yeah yeah he's just filling the car with I mean look how sexy this car is <laughs> mm, I reckon yeah no there was it was funny how he poked fun at advertising within a documentary yeah. about advertising it's a really interesting film um I like how they said it was documentary documentary evidence of how effed up marketing is you know and uh, the, all the legal jargon and all of the contracts so he could only drink Pom Wonderful. Yep. Even though there was that scene in the MRI one where he said, I really want a Coke now. I thought, oh. Yeah, yeah, I don't whoa, know. that's <laughs> Yeah, like he's not going to get his Pom money. <laughs> he had to have an interview in the JetBlue terminal, for example. Yep. Which was very funny. I love the shout out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, they all had to see the film and have like there was a lot of arguing about Final Cut there as well. Do you want to talk about Final Cut at all? Yeah, like he had Final Cut in the end, didn't he? It, that was what the credits at the end suggested that he didn't have to change his film yeah I would think that uh, like an artist of his um, integrity especially after Super Size we would want and say right away look I get a final cut yeah. like you know and that's fair That he's the artist you know he's the, as long as he you know doesn't cross the line too far <laughs> mm. the other condition was he had to get 600 million eyeballs like uh, to be looking at his film so he had to put up lots of kind of posters and banners and things he had to justify like yep. 600 million yeah interested people and he had to make 10 million dollars which was part of the contract now the film's gross lloyd if you had to guess would you say he made 10 million dollars uh, yes would he he made uh dollars this film fell well short of a million wow um so i'm guessing based just on that statistic that the film did not gross $10 million and therefore Pom had no legal obligation to pay. Like, I would assume. Yeah, because he didn't get what he initially... Yeah, he sure. didn't meet the conditions of the contract. Yeah. That would be my guess. But so many people probably know about Pom now that probably in good faith yes. they probably did pay. There was, But there's no... 
like you can't find whether or not they're paid anywhere you know there's no you'd have to ask Morgan Morgan Spurlock you know um it's interesting um and it's sad that a movie like this you know and it probably won't we're doing this podcast now and it probably won't attract many people to go watch it but um and I think that's just the style of it it's just not a pretty looking movie and it is a mishmash you know and then again it raises the question for me would it probably work better just on television you know just six one hour parts you know I, I feel like more people would have watched it and also it could have won Emmy awards yes whereas the documentary film field at the Oscars and stuff is a bigger field yes you know I, I mean he was nominated for um Super Size Me but that was like a big worldwide thing huge sort of interest and and how much more advertising could you pack up <laughs> with a six one hour film um documentary so you can say this film is a failure like pretty much it just didn't work well commercially yeah commercially it's a failure yeah. if he if the whole thing was financed by sponsors i guess it's a success yeah isn't it because yes. he didn't pay any of his own money just his own time he brought the issue of advertising to the forefront for a while he it exists now it's there people can reference it watch it you know check it out um, and the payoff for all of these sponsor companies, you know, Palm Wonderful and Merrill's His exposure. Which, yeah. And Merrill's did a really funny shoe ad in the middle where it was actually made in China and stuff, you know. <laughs> that was all quite good. Yeah. And I had no idea who Merrill's shoes no. were, you know, yeah. before that. Or Palm or, or anything, yeah, yeah. Or one of the funniest ones was Mane and Tail, who didn't actually end up paying. I guess it was just in there because he thought it was funny. Now, that was the shampoo for humans and horses, <laughs> which was really like one of the more funny elements of the film and uh he i did... felt sorry for them because they sounded so nice on the phone <laughs> mm, they did and and they said they've been around for 40 years or something well people i've never heard of them obviously this is an american thing yeah um but you knew he was going to wash the sun and the pony in the bathtub at the end you, you knew <laughs> that, that was great yeah, yeah the whole time yeah <laughs> yeah um let's talk about the more credible cameos in this film if you're looking up J.J. Abrams or Brett Ratner or Quentin Tarantino on IMDb, yep. they were all interviewed in this film, and that's an easy way of linking your film to these people. You and know? They were great. Uh, that was really great just to see them there and then mm. hear their opinions. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he mentioned he had filmmaker friends who were making big films and small films and stuff, and then it's good to see he actually got some interviews with them you know sort of things i love it how tarantino said no well actually i wanted to do product plays but no one wanted to go near me <laughs> yeah he wanted to do all his films in if Danny. anyone could pull that off without it being with it being subtle and just make it work mm. um is tarantino you know <laughs> i don't think i would have noticed if it was a denny's like yeah his films like you see the menus i guess you would have been the only giveaway because they're sort of the tight shot of the booth and yeah sort of stuff so he had jj abrams he had Peter Berg, Brett Ratner, Quentin Tarantino, um, and among other experts as well, yep. but those are the ones I want to talk about. I loved how Peter Berg um, said, you know, it was art and commerce, and it sort of goes together, it's all mixed up in there. And Brett Ratner said, it's the movie business, profit. You know, if your film doesn't profit, like we just spoke about this film as possibly a failure because yes. it didn't make money. But that doesn't stop it being a great little documentary. Yeah, no, that's right. It's just the emphasis on little documentary it's not going to take the world by storm it might become something that is referenced later you know but it wasn't successful in a financial sense it wasn't profitable so people are going to frown on his next film probably because of that oh isn't that disappointing because I, I heard you know Fahrenheit 9-11 and um, Bowling for Columbine each made a lot of money and mm. that was like really the the raise of the eyebrow wow this this has money to make and mm. unfortunately 
did super it supersized me did really well didn't it i'm sure it did yeah yeah and um yeah that's really unfortunate i like how again brett ratner said um artistic integrity is not without compromise something to that effect yep um, does this justify the films of Brett Ratner? Like, does this explain Rush Hour and the franchise? <laughs> it probably does. <laughs> that he had artistic integrity and he compromised things as he went Yeah, along. so that ex- that's his justification for a bad film. Yeah. Oh, those films are terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I think he was being sincere. I don't think he's consciously aware of how bad his movies are. <laughs> I know, yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, now there's a film which um, I looked up on the IMDb message boards as well just to see what was sort of the, the general talk about this and a few posts referenced a film called Logorama okay. okay this is from 2009 it's a 16 minute French animated film I've seen it you've seen it? yep do you want to just take us through it? Uh, yeah it's a very strange animated uh, movie sort of like a Grand Theft Auto theme where these guys are robbing Sonic I don't know and it just goes into this massive shootout goes this big epic action strange cartoon film and there's product placement everywhere like every character every um every uh, uh i don't know uh prop everything in the film is just part of a product like whether it be like they have a shootout in a kfc or a mcdonald's um takeaway place they drive a car that's like a puffin fresh donut mobile or something and mm-hmm. each of the characters are logos or icons of um characters it's yeah, it's it's interesting. It's tough to sit through for sixteen minutes because it really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, it's um, got two thousand five hundred contemporary and historical logos and mascots in it. Apparently, yep. I oh, haven't mascots, seen. Yeah, yep. And it won the Oscar for best animated short. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, the eighty second Academy Awards in twenty ten. Yep. So, a lot of people were saying this is a better version of what Morgan Spurlock was doing. Really? Because no. you've seen both. Let's yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, to to give um the uh the film credit um he it really went behind the scenes and he went through a lot of effort to go behind the mechanics of how they make um advertising and so forth that cartoon was really having fun with logos wasn't it in the end um really this documentary you got to give the documentary respect i i don't think it was any better than this doco no that's really unfair okay yeah completely different like they're completely yeah, different yeah completely different yeah okay. Well, I'm pleased you've seen it. That, <laughs> that helps me, uh, yeah. you know, verbalize this a lot more. Yep. So, let that be an end to it. <laughs> um, one of the most fascinating parts of this documentary was to see uh, San Paolo. Yep, which in Brazil. Had, yep, which had no outdoor advertising. They'd passed a law to say no one could advertise outside with billboards. There's nothing on the taxis or buses. Jeez, and, uh, they should come to Canberra if he wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently also there is. Um, it's a kind of pollution, you know, which I thought was fascinating to call this a pollution. And it looked way more beautiful, more historic, more human almost to not have this stuff. Now, I know there are places like um, Times Square yep. where it's, it's that's the theme. It's, you yeah, want it yeah. to be all bright lights, you know, big city. But for smaller places like this place in Brazil, mm. it seemed like perfect for them. It just creates this kind of natural beauty, doesn't it? Yeah, and I like it how it cuts to some of the... Um, retailers and mm. like oh how'd you counter this oh we just focused more on our products yeah. so people really went a better out product of, word yeah, of mouth product. yeah yeah and uh the, they interviewed the director of urban planning you know who they'd banned billboards obviously um 90 positive response wow they had said which 
really interesting. I mean, if everybody was happy about it, you know, maybe this is something that will be adopted more by other places. Yes, I don't think in America, but um, yeah, definitely around the world, I can see that for sure. Hmm. But that, yeah, that was a, it really breaks away for that segment for only a few minutes, but it's really interesting to focus on a world without advertising and just see the you know the the cities as it's natural in its natural state yeah let's talk about how they were manipulating children oh that was interesting yeah yeah yeah. in schools they were saying that um six million kids watch channel one in schools. yeah it's like a news channel for kids which they watch for like 12 to whatever many minutes in the morning you know i guess before school starts yeah and all the ads they play so that means all those kids around america yep. have to watch those ads yep. going on that show and they get a free tv in their classroom <laughs> and that's about it that's the trade-off yep and they could charge a huge premium for yep. all those advertisers you know yeah this, and that's the demographic you want as well isn't it for some yeah, yeah. some products they had uh, somebody in the classroom said they're advertising clearasil or a uh, pimple cream or something mm. um this seems crazy to me that this even existed. I yeah. mean, it's obviously something that you wouldn't it's, it's know. It's like out of a sci-fi movie. Now kids, turn mm. to watch our leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like something out of uh, 1984. Yeah. Um, one of the kids said, advertising should not be in a school environment, which which is absolutely true. Mm. Um, but they don't know any better. If this is happening for younger and younger and younger kids, it's going to seem like the norm. Yes. You know? Um, obviously not happening in Australia. Um, yep. Though you do get muck-up days where you'll watch a film or something, you know, at the end of the school year. But it's not a constant every morning, uh, you know, desensitizing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that that was really interesting and eye-opening. I I like it how it goes into the buses and they just have, you know, it's still very controlled. You can only have certain ads Mm. play in the buses and stuff like that. And then towards the end of the film, like, sorry, when you go into a school bus and you see advertising posters on inside on the, the bus. interior yeah, of on the, the bus, interior yeah. of the bus. Um, it had to be very specific advertising such as go to this college and so forth like that school related school related and I loved it how they agreed to have his stuff in there because it really told kids mm. really informed kids about advertising and it's great I, I'd love to have all schools watch this just to train kids about product placement so I would love to have that Will Smith movie iRobot and instead of all the kids just passively take it in just yep. to all you know, react to it comically. Oh, yeah. what an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Could easily happen, like, one day if this was more sort of well-known, I guess. But it feels like more of an adult world. It like, does, um, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're a kid, you don't have money, really. So you want your parents to buy you things. And I think it is the job of the parents to... Yeah, to teach them, yeah, To yeah. inform, yeah. And, and, and But also the school can be held a certain responsible. Like, how hard is it just to have just to play these type of movies to the kids? Mm. And these are great, you know, just to, just to have kids grow up with these type of um, films, just to teach them about, toughen them up in the media world. Because not, me- not many people are media savvy. They don't know that these things are going on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Another really nice cameo was uh, Donald Trump. Oh yeah, he, and what and the stuff he had to say was really interesting. Yeah. He, he touches on the music industry as well, and yeah. I thought that was interesting how he said, "Yeah, I've offered so much money to certain artists to use their music in ads, and they completely refuse because they will not have um, their music playing commercials." And I thought, "Wow, mm. there are artists out there, <laughs> you know, who are so aggressive against commercialism that they don't want anything to do with it." And he said, "Why not take it? Take you know? the money yeah, and yeah. run." Yeah. Well, one artist who. Um, is all for having his music in commercials is Moby and his album Play every track has been featured in a film 
or a, a commercial or a TV show. Interesting. Every track. Yeah. And I believe it's the only album that has that. Wow. To its name. Okay. Because yeah. every track, obviously, you know, it's unusual to find an album where every single track would feature well in a TV, a film, commercial. And he's done it. And he's done it. Amazing. His music was huge at a certain point, so it's picked up everywhere. But they had more musical impressions. Um, sorry, more impressions. And the musicians wanted... Um, like that was why they would put it in um okay go was interviewed for example and uh big boy from outcast wasn't it yeah and uh the reason that they want to be in commercials is so people hear their music i mean that's the end of the day and yeah he was describing it like the moment that air, um that ad aired yeah they were seeing like on their like if they put it on a graph you'd just keep going up and yep. up and up because yep. you know and that's great it's getting exposure yeah and yeah. so it uh, works. not only they're getting paid they're getting exposure yeah yeah i almost wanted to go and get the um the greatest song i ever heard which plays over the the montage and the credits <laughs> just just really to support it you know just same sort of thing um the theme you know by okay go and it's weird how the guy in the background of OK Go was literally poking fun at it by holding up his album and a T-shirt or something. <laughs> like advertising, was too, wasn't he? Advertising within the the movie. He about was just sitting, instead, sitting behind him, just not saying anything yeah. like a statue. Wasn't even part of the interview at all. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think he said one word. And he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> you know, at the end, <laughs> it also would have been great to have a scene in there that said hey do you mind if we do this and he went yeah that's fine yeah, and yeah. then it, it was really self aware of it because to not have it we were all supposed to ignore it yeah. it was like subliminal advertising the conclusion he gets to at the end of this film he's walking with his son outdoors he says marketing works maybe I can just show you it's out there you know at the end of the day it works it exists you know that's and it's stuff. part of it's just part of the western world isn't it yeah this isn't a huge expose like the way um supersize me was it was it's not saying here are the results of my findings it's just saying um i want to make you more aware of this really and i think that's why the documentary is a little flat sure because it's not saying i want to change this there's no change when documentaries happen and like supersize me or bowling for Columbine, or bowling for Columbine 11, yep. and they change the laws or they uh, change to a new taste menu. Yeah, that adds to its stigma, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. you it gets picked up by news and stuff. You know, there's a point to it. This is really like, um, uh, you know, a B kind of essay. You've been graded a B because uh, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It doesn't take you anywhere. It just says, here are all the things I found out. Where do you think he could have went if he had... Do you reckon he could have attacked more the... the the advertising for kids, I guess. That's where he could have went. Yeah, I think that would have been that the obvious have been, one. Yeah, yeah. Like, to uh, get rid of advertising in schools or yes. something. Um, obviously, it wasn't in the buses and that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, he had sponsors himself, didn't he? He did, he did. But that's sort of the thing. He wouldn't be changing the law to affect his own sponsors. Like, if he had done that children's thing, they're not advertising in schools. None yeah. of the sponsors would have been advertising in schools, you know? Um, maybe he could have talked to more um, lawmakers about it, you know, like taking it to a higher level because he only interviewed people who were in the industry and the people from... That's interesting because, uh, yeah, in Bowling for Columbine, he actually got Kmart, I think it was, to remove all their bullets mm. from the stores and that was caught yep. on camera, them admitting to that. And yep. I was like, wow, can this guy change the laws, you yeah, know, or exactly. change the rule? Yeah, and had he had got that... <laughs> And there's no impetus for change from this documentary. It just says, like, literally, marketing works. Maybe I can just show you it's out there. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's the point. 
No, that's a really good point. And I'm, I'm, I, as we were just saying, like I was about to say, oh, I'm, I'm struggling to think of where else he could have gone. But actually, there's a few obvious points. Yeah, mm. attack aggressively. The advertisements were kids. And I know he had to be like he was very impartial. He didn't really say, um, "I hate advertising, and this is why I should we should change it" or anything. You know, um, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, if he had got a tattoo a temporary tattoo even on his head that advertised something, you know, he would yeah. have been more part of it, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm not that's suggesting right. yeah. he could have done exactly that. But it felt like he was just a guy we were familiar with from this other documentary walking around interviewing other people about this thing that already exists. Mm. And I do appreciate how much deeper he went in yep. to it all. Like I really enjoyed the biology, B U Y ology which did the MRIs yeah. and, and things like that were really fascinating. Um there's a lot of really interesting elements. But ultimately, because it doesn't do that last thing where he tries to change things or there's a conclusion, because this isn't a conclusion to me, I feel like that's why it's forgettable. Yeah, that's right. Because Super Size Me went the other way. It really did ratify the yeah. food industry, yeah. didn't it? Wow. And it okay. was all over every sort of news and um, current affairs program. And he was being he interviewed. He must have had a reason um, for not attacking because he's definitely got the skill set and the ability to do that. And attacking advertising, you seem would be the obvious thing, but he didn't, did he? Mm. No, okay. Well, it feels like there's something missing then. Yeah. Like something that was filmed that we should have seen, like if he received a phone call and somebody said, That's you've it. got to stop doing yeah. this. If he included that, maybe this would have been even better because you would have wondered what... You know, we, we felt like we weren't let in all the way behind the curtain or something. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell you another funny little story as yep. we draw to the close of this podcast. Altoona, Pennsylvania sold the naming rights of the town, right? For 60 days, the town was called Pom Wonderful Presents The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. <laughs> How dumb is that? <laughs> uh, oh, the town was called that. They'd renamed the town for 60 days, so people would have been addressing their mail to pom wonderful presents the greatest movie ever sold <laughs> to that town you know wow it got picked up by local newspapers yes. things like that um how much do you think morgan spurlock paid to rename the town for 60 days i don't i don't know if he paid anything did pong pay it that's well, the question whoever paid it yeah. it seems too cheap yeah because twenty five thousand dollars to rename the town wow okay and obviously that goes to the town i'm not sure of altoona pennsylvania and how much they need the money yeah you know whether it's a small town or what the story is <laughs> but $25,000 that's crazy you know that's like a huge advertisement for the film though and I mean yeah. I know you saw him getting the sides of trucks and uh, inside of buses and things like that it was really interesting the means of um, oh the one more interesting one was the Hyatt keys you know the key cards yep. at the end when you go into doors in the Hyatt you've got those you know electronic cards yep. or whatever they are um, door keys and he was on them. He was on all of them. Oh. I'm <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he did some really creative stuff. I was really interested in the posters when he was doing the posters for yeah. the film and how he seemed to like everything. And obviously, because you've seen the DVD cover, you know which one he chooses. But he also did that street art, which was cool and very much reminded me of Super Size Me. Sure. Is that the one where it's taken with The Last Supper? The street art? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, okay. That yeah. they kind of... Um, just stuck up wherever, you know, and didn't really have links back to, uh, you know, it didn't seem like an, an ad, it seemed like art. Yeah. Yeah, which was really cool. Um, do you think that he sold out? 
Oh, that's a good question because he addresses that sort of in the film. Mm. It's really addressed. Um, in a way, yes, he did sell out, but it was for a. It's like the point of the movie, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and they ask um, various people, "What is a sellout? It's a person who has to sacrifice his integrity, isn't it? Um, that's what a sellout is. And did he sacrifice at the end? I guess because not going that further extent, like he did with Supersize Me and changing the rules, maybe I don't know. Mm. What do you think? Well, I've got a quote from him. Yeah, I think he kind of sold out. I think, um, I, I like I said, I don't feel like that's the film it should have been. I felt like there was something missing and like that's why it's forgettable but the quote from Morgan Spurlock is I got some of the best advice I've ever received as a filmmaker back when I was making Super Size Me a friend said if the movie that you end up with is the exact same movie that you envisioned in the beginning then you didn't listen to anybody along the way that's a mantra we stand by I let people steer us in different directions I let the ebb and flow push us wherever the story may lead and I think that's what makes great stories. Interesting. Mm. So I think he kind of went with it. Yep. The ebb and flow stuff. He got pushed in different directions. He went and did things he wasn't expecting. Like, you mean, you don't know some of these things exist until you start to peel back the layers, you know. But um, pretty much kind of just went with it. And I feel like that sounds like he made the film he wanted to make. So maybe he wasn't ever intending to do anything no. supremely controversial. I think he was just like, where. He was really interested in the advertising world and had this idea of the whole film being financed by the advertising world. Mm. And in the end, he's just like, well, I found out what I need to know. Here it is, you know, sort of thing. The um, POM wonderful guy in the meetings was funny. He said, uh, we are an extremely high quality product. You know, they felt like they were saying things because they knew they would be in the in the movie. In yeah, the yeah. movie. <laughs> and he was drinking POM. They were all drinking POM wonderful in the uh, board meetings. And I was sitting there thinking, do they really like the taste? I wanted to try a Pom Wonderful at some point. You know, I was like, well, what is this drink? You know, I was not really aware of it. Um, I questioned whether or not the men in the boardroom, they really liked the taste or they had erectile dysfunction that they were trying to fix. <laughs> because it claims that fixes it in 40% of men, which, which I love. It's such a vague statistic to say 40% of men it's like less than half yeah yeah so probably not you <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier the cost of this yeah you know, on the bottle top it says drink it daily drink it daily feel it forever yeah you know Morgan Spurlock said McDonald's makes you fat really interestingly in his Where in the World is Osama Bin Laden documentary he said at the end Pakistan which is where he was wow yeah which I guess I haven't seen that one Where in the World he, he um, at, towards the end of it, um, he's basically, it's suggested that he's in Pakistan through, through the film and uh, he's hesitant to enter. And he says, you know, I guess he's in Pakistan kind of thing towards the end. And it's sort of hilarious that he is in Pakistan and, you know, the, the information was given to him. I guess he's saying advertising works, you know, that's what we're getting here, yep. which, which isn't a big... Uh, reveal. No. Yeah, yeah. Because McDonald's makes you fat, proven sort of thing. Proven, and that's why they changed. If if he was wrong in the documentary, McDonald's wouldn't have changed their menu. Yeah. Bin Laden's in Pakistan. Proven true, you know, by his in, infinite research in the, the documentary. So advertising works. It's just a lot flatter Yeah. as a sort of discussion. In a way, he's right, so I guess it's three out of three. <laughs> I guess, yeah, three yeah, out of yeah. three. So we can look forward to seeing what Morgan Spurlock does next, <laughs> whether it be shave that handlebar moustache <laughs> or make another documentary. 
Uh, well, that's it for the episode this week. Hope you've enjoyed it. As always, if you're interested in sponsoring our podcast, uh, we're... Just ne- a sec, Dave. I just need to take a drink <laughs> of my Palm Wonderful here. Wow, Lloyd, that looks delicious. Oh. <laughs> Refreshing. Got that aftertaste. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. If you're looking to try Palm Wonderful, it tastes kind of like juice, but with a weird aftertaste. Yeah. And I guess that's the pomegranates. Yeah. Yeah. Feels stronger. <laughs> the look on Lloyd's face suggests that we won't be getting, <laughs> getting sponsorship from uh, Pom Wonderful. Although they're doing well enough without us. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're doing fine. <laughs> so anyway, if you're, if you're interested in anything else, www.podmeifyoucan.com. It's the website. You can check out any uh, podcasts you might have missed. There's links on the right of the page to both of our Twitters, Facebook, Become a Fan, iTunes. You'll find it all there. As always, we'd love you to rate the podcast and leave us some feedback. Uh, Next time, as I mentioned, we want to do The Descendants, George Clooney film. It's uh, just been named the Golden Globe winning best picture. And that was interestingly recommended um, from someone. uh, It was. uh, It was a pod me if you can by request. Yes. Um, and, and we do we do those as well, guys. We do. So we're always looking for your requests. The best way to get us is on Facebook. So uh, anything you think we should watch and review, happy to entertain the idea on this end. And well, thanks for listening. All the best, guys. Mm.